Our first scripture reading today is from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. You may follow along on page 616 in the Blue Pew Bible or on the screen behind me. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. This is the word of the Lord. Our second uh, scripture reading is from John's Gospel, the 19th chapter. I'm continuing my sermon series on the seven last sayings of Jesus from the cross. Today we are looking at the third. So John chapter 19, beginning in verse 17. There are blue pew Bibles in front of you, or you can follow on the screen. And carrying the cross by himself, he, meaning Jesus, went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple, that means John, whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for the promise that you make to us that through the prophet Isaiah, that the word that goes forth from your mouth will not return empty, but indeed will accomplish that which you have set for it to do. So God, may we feel the full impact of your word this morning as we open our hearts to you. Speak profoundly to each and every person here in this room and those who are watching, wherever they may be. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray these things. Amen. One of the things that I learn as I grow older is that uh, being a parent is no picnic. 
<laughs> I just returned from a journey from the south in which we did about 24 hours of driving over a span of two days. The things you do for your kids. And there are various ages and stages that we go through with our kids. And let's be honest, some are easier than others. There are moments in our children's lives that I know that we could, and we wish we could, forever freeze in time. I'm one of those who have always believed that the best time in life to be a parent is when your kids are old enough to wash the car, but too young to drive it. <laughs> And yet, as parents, our job, our responsibility is to give them roots and wings. Because eventually, we have to let our kids go. Mary had to let Jesus go. Mary needed to say goodbye. From the very moment that Mary said yes to the angel's announcement and being the birth mother of the Savior of the world, she was obedient, saying to the angel, let it be with me according to your word. And so she opened herself up, not only to the joy of parenthood, but also to the anguish of being the mother of Jesus. Remember, it was old man Simeon who said to her when giving Jesus the blessing in the temple as a baby, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, as Mary stands at the foot of the cross, she's also a picture of us. Because Mary receives the same gift of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus would no longer be her son, but he would be her savior. I love that line from the Christmas song, Mary, did you know? The line goes, this child that you delivered will soon deliver you. And yet Mary does not just receive a spiritual blessing. Listen again to what it says in John's Gospel, the 19th chapter, which I read for you, specifically verses 26 and 27. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, and that's John, standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here's your son. And then he said to the disciple, here's your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. It's rather amazing to me. Jesus is in agony. Jesus is dying on the cross. Jesus is involved in the cosmic battle of the ages where the salvation of the whole world sort of hangs in the balance. But he's not thinking of himself. He's thinking of others. And so he expresses love for his mother even from the cross. And he remains a faithful firstborn son until the very end. No, it is said that there are basically two kinds of people who enter a room. One says, here I am. The other says, there you are. Jesus says to Mary, there you are. So this third saying of Jesus from the cross is so tender but it has far-reaching implications that touch you and me today as Jesus is inaugurating a new type of community that is the church. When Jesus says, here's your son and here's your mother, he's indicating a whole new way of being for us in Christ. 
I guess what I'm trying to say is on the cross, Jesus is forming a new family. And it is from the cross that we hear Jesus tell us something, something really important, something that King Solomon had to learn the hard way, and it is that being alone is no fun at all. King Solomon discovered that success is empty without friendship. A poet has written these words, loneliness is like a piano without keys, a violin without strings, and a choir where no one sings. Loneliness is like a blade of grass growing through cement, like a campground without a tent, like a mockingbird without a song, a feeling one does not belong. Like a pansy in a cornfield where no one can see, I know all about loneliness because it lives inside of me. But now, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon acknowledges, I need a friend. And one of the reasons why we need friends is for our work. You heard it read in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. So if you have a person working over here and you have another person working all by themselves over, over there, they are not going to be as productive unless they join forces and work together. Isn't it interesting that when they award the Nobel Prize, rarely, especially in the area of sciences, is it ever awarded to just one person. It seems to always be awarded to a team of scientists. Friends, by working together, we can be all that God wants us to be. It's true in the workplace. How much more can it be true in the, G in the church of Jesus Christ? Remember, it was Jesus who said, wherever two or three or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. He also said, love one another as I have loved you. And then in our scripture reading today, he says, here's your son, here's your mother. So it's by working together in harmony that we make Jesus Christ real to the world. Someone has said that if you could get every muscle working together in the human body to pull together in one direction at the same time, you could lift 25 tons. Imagine if we could ever get the body of Christ, the church, to pull together in the same direction at the same time to change the world. We need friends for our work. We also need them for our walk. I bet that one of the first things that the Girl Scouts learned about hiking or swimming or some other activity is the buddy system. That's why the writer of Ecclesiastes says, if one falls down, your friend can lift them up. One of the things that I've learned over the years is that all of us, and I do mean all of us, are down sometimes, right? But thank God, not all of us are down at the same time. When somebody is down, there's always somebody who can lift them up. If a purpose of a friend is to lift you up, then we also need to be careful about those so-called friends who can drag us down. I bet there isn't a parent here who wouldn't give the right arm to be able to choose their friends for their children. Isn't it interesting that Jesus stayed up all night long praying before he chose his disciples? For any baseball fan growing up in the 1950s and 60s, 
If you love the New York Yankees, then your hero was probably Mickey Mantle. Do you want to know what almost killed Mickey Mantle? It was his choice of friends. Mickey Mantle could not say no to alcohol. And so what did all his friends want to do with him? They wanted to go out and drink and get drunk with the great ball player. And so they took him out, and, and the bartender would always be sure to put just a little extra vodka in the drink for Mickey Mantle, the great Yankee center fielder. Mickey Mantle was rich. Mickey Mantle was famous. He hit 536 home runs. He hit 18 World Series home runs. And the attitude was, give the Mick a drink and make sure it's a stiff one. And his friends dragged him down, and it almost cost him his life. Oh, yes, it's great to have friends who think you walk on water. But, you know, sometimes we need those people, those friends in our lives, who are willing to take us behind the woodshed when we really need it. It takes courage to say to a Mickey Mantle, you had him not to drink. I'm not going to let you do this to yourself anymore. Or to say to a friend, I know you don't do this intentionally, but sometimes you say things that hurt the people around you. A friend is willing to speak the truth in love. Why? So that you can rise and be all that God has created you to be. We need friends for our work. We need friends for our walk. We need friends for warmth. Ecclesiastes 4 is, is sort of the great snuggle passage of the Bible. It says if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Reminds me of the story of these uh, four 80-year-old guys who would golf with each other every week. And as they were playing along, one of them said, I just want to let you guys know, I'm planning on getting married. Well, they were absolutely floored. He said, you're getting married? Why in the world are you going to get married? So one of the men asked, well, is she beautiful? He said, well, I, I think she's pretty, but she's nothing to write home about. <laughs> Probably not the best answer, by the way. And, and so they said, well, well is she rich? And, and he said, well, she gets Social Security. She lives in a modest home, but... She's not wealthy. Is she smart? Well, really only graduated from high school. And so they said, well, why then do you want to get married? And the man just smiled and said, because she can drive at night. <laughs> there are lots of people, a uh, reason why people get married, one of them is just to keep warm. Actually, what this scripture in Ecclesiastes refers to is not necessarily a husband and wife snuggling, but uh, travelers on the path who would keep close to each other on those cold, wintry Israel nights. And so what we're talking about here is companionship amidst adversity. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, I, I have Jesus in my life. That's true, I hope. But you know, you also need the body of Christ to keep you warm. And that's why I love the last verse in John 19, 27. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. One way to think about this is to think of the Christian life as, as a bicycle wheel. Now, the hub is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the center of our lives. So what are the spokes? Well, the different spokes are the different folks. 
we're the spokes of the Christian life. But there's also something else that's a part of that bicycle wheel. There's the rim. We're connected to the hub, but we're also connected to the rim. And the rim is the body of Christ. Have you ever wondered how it is that a 350-pound Shaquille O'Neal can sit on a bicycle without crushing it? After all, those spokes are so flimsy that you can practically bend one with your finger. You might think that those spokes would just collapse under all that weight. Here's why they don't. The way a bike is set up, as soon as that pressure comes on the bottom spoke, it is immediately distributed all around to the rim of those other spokes. And as I was thinking about that this week, I thought, you know, what a wonderful picture of the Christian life. Pressure comes, right? It just does. And it's immediately dis uh, distributed to other members of the body of Christ. Now, I don't know all of you here in this room today, and there may be some of you who are not yet connected to the hub of Jesus Christ. And so my prayer is that today would be the day that you connect, get connected to the hub. There may be others of you here today who are connected to the hub, but you're not really yet connected to the rim. You may have your name on the roll of this church or another church, and you may come here or go to wherever church you go once in a while, but you're not really connected. Can't tell you how many times I've had someone say, well, John, you just need to understand, I don't believe in organized religion. I've heard that so many times. Do you want to know what the alternative to organized religion is? Disorganized religion. Spokes going every which way. Of course, the great thing about being connected is as you come full circle, you're always helping someone else. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, John, you don't know me because I don't make friends easily. In fact, truth is, I've had people in the past who have been rather unkind to me. I have feelings of hurt that run so deep that I'm not sure I'm willing to make myself vulnerable and put myself on a limb and risk to get that kind of hurt again. So how do we get rid of the obstacles to friendship? How do we overcome the hurts of the past? Friends, we need a God-supported ego. L listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes 4.12. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. What that simply means is we need the Holy Spirit to be the bonding agent for our friendships. There was a little boy named Clyde. He was really shy and quiet. One day, Clyde came home from school, and he announced to his mother, I want to make Valentine's for everybody in my class. Well, this mom's heart just sank because she knew that her child was not one of the popular kids in class. In fact, she would sit on her porch each day, and she would watch the kids walk home from school, and she saw groups of children laughing and talking and carrying on. And her son Clyde was never, ever in those groups. He was always left behind, left out, not included. He walked home by himself. But she decided that she would go along with his Valentine's card plan, even though she knew that he was setting himself up to be hurt. And they went to the store, and they bought the glue, and the crayons, and the paper. And then each night for the next three weeks, 
Clyde worked on making 35 valentines for the kids in his class. And finally, the big day came. And Clyde was so excited as he neatly stacked those valentines and put them in a box. He, he left for school. As soon as he left, his mother started working on damage control. She, saw, she wondered, what am I going to do when he comes home crying? She thought, well, I know what I can do. I can make some homemade chocolate chip cookies and give him some cookies with a tall glass of milk, and I'll have it ready on the table when he gets home to ease his pain. Sure enough, the end of the day came. She heard the voices of the children. She looked out her window, and there were the kids laughing and talking as they walked along. And, and she was so fearful that Clyde would, would not get many Valentines, if he even got any at all. And as the children were walking, sure enough, there was Clyde walking behind them. Only this time, he was walking a little faster than usual. And she saw that the children all seemed to have Valentines in their hands, and Clyde didn't have any in his. And he came inside the house, and she said, Honey, I've got some milk and cookies on the table for you. He didn't even hear as he walked right by her and went into the living room. And she heard him say, Not a one! Not a one! His mom began to choke back the tears. And then she heard her son say, I didn't forget to give out even one. Not a single one. My friends, our true joy in Jesus Christ is in giving love away. It is to be a friend to others because Jesus died not only to bring us back to God, but to bring us back together. To be friends at the foot of the cross where the ground is always level. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, we pray that you would take everyone here today and those watching and link us to the hub of Jesus Christ. We also pray that you would continue to connect us to the rim of the body of Christ, whether it's here or somewhere else. God, we know we need one another. We need friends within the body of Christ, people to encourage us, people who will support us, people who will love us through all of our days, the ins and the outs, the ups and the downs. We thank you for the depth of the love you showed for us from the cross, that even in those moments of pain and agony and suffering, you are not just thinking of yourself, but also of us and calling us to a new way of life. May we faithfully live out together the plan that you have for our lives. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.